0: Prepare your ears, humans. Happy, Sad, Confused begins now.
1: Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Sarah Paulson on her new film, Run, and her comfort movie, Postcards from the Edge. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. You might be thinking, wait, I just heard your voice the other day, Josh. Nary, two days ago there was a new episode of Happy, Sad, Confused. Well, don't get used to it. I'm not going to promise two episodes a week from here on out. This is, after all, this isn't my day job, by the way. This is this is bonus. This is this is the passion project. The the stuff I do for MTV and Comedy Central that's the stuff that pays the bills. Happy, Sad, Confused, believe it or not, this is this is just for fun. This is mostly for fun and mostly. Um, just because i like these kind of long-form conversations all of which is to say um i don't know if i can sustain two a week but it just so happens that now is the time of year thanks to i think it's always a combination of all the spate of fall and holiday projects we're starting to get into award season that um, oftentimes i find myself with more guests than i can even handle <laughs> or roll out in a single week so this might happen again on occasion um, earlier in the week, we did an episode with um, the cast led by Margot Robbie and Finn Cole and the director of the movie Dreamland. If you haven't checked that out, that's in your podcast feed. And today's episode, as I said, is with Sarah Paulson. Now, Sarah Paulson is somebody who I, of course, have been chasing forever. It's kind of shocking. She's one of those that, I, if you've listened to Happy Second Fuse for years, it, it might seem odd that she hasn't done the podcast, considering how much she works, and how much great work she does, and and just the vibe of her. She's definitely my kind of human being, and probably your kind of human being. But for whatever reason, it hasn't worked out timing-wise until now. And um, I'm so happy it finally did happen. Sarah Paulson is a delight. She's one of our finest actors. She can do everything. Um, Maybe you saw her earlier this year when Ratched came out on Netflix, and that's been seen by apparently like, I think the last number I saw was 48 million people have watched Ratchet, which is amazing, <laughs> good for Sarah. Um, her collaborations with Ryan Murphy are um, numerous and very successful. Um, and she, we Zoomed via, again, like the middle of actually a production she just started, which I'm very excited about, guys. I don't know if you know this. She is playing Linda Tripp in the new American Crime Story, again, from the mind of Ryan Murphy. Um, it's Beanie Feldstein as Monica Lewinsky, um, you've got uh, Billy Eichner's in it, um, a really great cast that is, oh, Clive Owen playing Bill Clinton, so yes, this is, this next American crime story is going to tell the story of the infamous Clinton scandal, the Clinton-Monica Lewinsky scandal, so, um, so many performers I enjoy in that project, and she has just, Sarah has just started production on it, and um a very kind of interesting moment to catch Sarah in because she's just a few days into it. And we kind of talk about how she's like, this is maybe the hardest job of her career. And she's a little unsure of it right now, of how it's all going to work out. So that was kind of fun to talk to her about that. And also fun to talk to her about this new film of hers called Run, which is on Hulu, November 20th. Um, it is a really fun ride. It's a fun genre exercise, as it were, kind of a Hitchcockian tale It's directed by the same guy that did the movie Searching a few years back. I don't know if you guys caught that, starring John Cho. If you haven't seen that movie, that's another tight, taut thriller that I highly recommend. And this one similarly has that kind of structure. And it's basically Sarah Paulson and a young performer um, who plays her daughter in it. And it's, um, you know, a lot of twists and turns in it. I don't want to reveal too much, but it's a very contained um, thriller and very effective at what it's trying to do. So I highly recommend that one. And um, yeah, as I said, Sarah's, Sarah's a delight. To her comfort movie was a great, a great pick, the great Mike Nichols uh, adaptation of Carrie Fisher's book, Postcards from the Edge. We talk a lot about that. And, you know, sometimes on the podcast, I feel like when somebody picks a comfort movie, there are different, there are different um, levels of their familiarity with the movie. Sarah Paulson, is at the extreme. She can quote every line, I think, of postcards from the edge. So respect to her for that. Um, so yes, that's the main event today. Sarah Paulson on Happy Sad Confused. Other things to mention, as I said, um, there's the Margot Robbie podcast that's in your podcast feed. Great new episode of Stir Crazy, if I do say so myself, with Paul Bettany. He was a delight. That's on Comedy Central's Facebook and YouTube pages. Um, other things to mention that are coming out, I highly recommend. Uh, Mangrove which is the first episode in the Small act series that's on Amazon Prime that comes out on this Friday the 20th as well um, Sound of Metal I think is about to drop. I think that's on Amazon Prime. I highly recommend that one. That's Riz Ahmed um, Really great performance from Riz as a like a heavy metal drummer that starts to lose his hearing I saw this one in Toronto um, a long while back, a year ago, over a year ago, and it really um, jumped out as one of the best things I saw at the Toronto Film Festival then. So that's well worth checking out. And Riz Ahmed is one of our very, very best actors. Um, so yeah, you'll be happy to know that we're going strong. Lots of podcasts to come. I taped, um, did I take two episodes of Stir Crazy yesterday? Yeah, I taped two new episodes of Stir Crazy yesterday. Um, I t- I'm taping it one today, so we're, we're banking them. We're making sure we have them all throughout the holiday weeks. Um, there's one next week's third crazy guys is a is a person again. I don't want to I don't want to say it because I just don't want to ruin the surprise. But it is a person that may be one of the top five people that you guys talk to me about on social media that you bring up with me. So it's somebody that's done Happy sad, Confused. It's a regular Josh Horowitz friend of the podcast and friend of all the things I do, and she, there you go, there's your hint, it's a she, um, was a delight, and I'd, uh, I was really happy that she agreed to do Sir Crazy, and I think you guys will really, really dig it. That's, that's the hint for now. Um, not much of a hint, I know, but maybe you can figure it out. You know, someone I've talked to, dozens of times okay i'll leave it at that um remember to review rate and subscribe to happy sad confused spread the good word and in the meantime enjoy this chat with the delightful sarah paulson it is my pleasure to welcome sarah paulson to happy sad confused at last sarah i've been stalking you for a while for this podcast it only took a global pandemic to make it happen welcome (laughs)
0: Well, thank you for having me. I don't think I knew that. Probably uh, Alla was keeping it
1: from me. Oh, yeah, she knows. Alla yeah. who watches all. <laughs> Alla who watches all. <laughs> um, congrats on Run. This is a super fun movie that's premiering on Hulu any minute now by the time people listen to this. Um, we're going to talk about a bunch, bunch of things, though. You've also sent me your your comfort movie, which was a good pick, Sarah. Well done. Thank you. I really appreciate it. First of all, let's just talk um, life headspace where you're at we've survived the election seemingly or has a load lifted off your shoulders how, how are you feeling
0: um i don't i i would say a load but like a brick of, right. for, of bricks you know <laughs> um just because i i need the man to concede i yeah. need the man to acknowledge the reality i mean i don't know why i would expect him to do something he has yet to do since since he's held office, uh, which is acknowledge reality and, uh, take responsibility for the, re- you know, I just. I'm with it, you. Yeah. So uh, I'm, you're
1: speaking my language. So, I get so I it.
0: do feel there has been a brick taken off the pile of bricks on my back, but it, just it, it, it did feel, I don't know
1: about you. It, it kind of surprised me like about a week ago, as we taped this, when the, all the networks and the cable channels made the announcement, it did feel like, Oh wait, I, I didn't realize it was going to happen this way and that it was just going to be this like, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Of course, everybody just sort of like started, I don't know, it was a celebration. It was kind of a beautiful thing. I was here in New York and it was an amazing yeah. thing. Yeah. It was
0: I, was, I was in California and I started hearing people out loud, you know, as walking the dog and I started hearing all these weird sort of noises of people <laughs> screaming and I was like, what is happening? Is someone, it's too early in the morning and I sat, what are people doing? And then it got louder and louder and then I just realized, it was really in my mind. It was like a movie. I, I had the dawning re- record. Uh, wow, what's the word? Realization yep. that it must be because Biden won. He did it, and I started running towards my house. And oh. my neighbor flung his door open, and he said, "He did it! He did it!" <laughs> it was that was a pretty a pretty wild thing.
1: The music swelled. So the I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious. Did, did you have? Uh, I mean, I watch a lot of MSNBC. Did, when you watch Nicole Wallace having played Nicole, do you have a, a unique perspective on? Watching where she is, I mean, she's obviously in a much different place now than when you played her.
0: Oh, I think when I played her, no one, no one knew who she was except for real uh, insiders. And now I say I played Nicole Wallace, and retroactively, there's this collective applause um, about that because she is such a, such an extraordinary. Uh, woman and such a wonderful brain and i text her sometimes during the debates or when she and rachel and joy were the trifecta of of ladies doing the uh, the after the pre and the post and i would just i remember on election night texting her saying what 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 she wrote me back something
1: <laughs> i, I want to know. know what the text was if in that, what does that equate to in, in letters Sarah? So.
0: <laughs> yeah i was like what uh she, and she was just like yeah um it just wasn't, it wasn't a text that calmed me down, let's put it that way, Got it. on election night. I was, I was uh, it didn't matter how many people prepared us to be, you know, for the Red Mirage, it still felt so shocking to Yeah,
1: me. yeah. Really, you know. Thankfully, we have, uh, we have work to distract ourselves with, you do, I know, and we also have the holidays. Uh, you should know that the Horowitz family every year watches A Christmas Wedding, the classic Hallmark Channel <laughs> movie. <laughs>
0: Uh, If that were were true, I'd really worry about you.
1: (laughs) I've never seen it, but I did watch the trailer yesterday. I was was unaware of this in your uh, long, illustrious filmography. We're going to start with the embarrassing stuff, and then we'll get to the good stuff. How about that?
0: Sure, sure. Great, great, great. 2006,
1: a classic Hallmark (laughs) production. You... The Great Dean Kane simpatico in so many ways,: so
0: many ways we have so much in common.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, what are your memories? Where were you at when you made a Christmas wedding? Did you know uh, you had struck gold?
0: Uh, <laughs> I was an actress, not working very much, and it was one of those times and ever, anyone who's had this experience and I know there are, there are plenty of and this is not to disparage lifetime I, I they were wonderful to me, and I was happy to be employed don't get me wrong, but it was certainly not you know my fantasy job. Um, but they, they were in a position to offer me the part without an audition, and they offered me money that was money that I hadn't seen in other places. And so I took the job, and um, I don't regret it, but when I hear people, sometimes people will tweet me or say something like, my mom loves a Christmas wedding, and I just think, oh, your mom it's sweet, but I'm not sure... It's just not, it's just not, it's just not my finest hour. No, it's
1: not the Mount Rushmore. It's not, not on not, the, it's not, not on the top five. Not. No, it's not. It's, it's definitely top 10. It's not top oh,
0: five. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> it's in the bottom 10. We all know. It might, even be, it might even be, well, we'd have to see what else you come up with. I was going right? to
1: say, I'm not going to dig that far down. I want to talk not? about. You're not? No, if you want, really want me to. But well, I don't just, know what else there would it, be that would be. I don't know either. Well, this does bring to mind though, a, a generalization about your fantastic career, which is that I, I have been watching you, it seems like for a, a while in theater and film and TV, but it's, it's you haven't had, I mean, I guess I was gonna say the usual arc of an actor's career, but there is no usual arc as we know. Um, but I guess like, you know, you were working for many years, a couple decades, even <laughs> arguably before kind of the world really took notice of you. You were obviously a, a successful jobbing actor in theater and film and TV, but I, I guess I'm curious, like who you were like in your twenties when you were working a lot and did you feel like you were wanting for more or was it like, yeah, this is, this is, I'm getting what I need and want out of my professional life.
0: Oh my God, no. I was so, um, I think I had a funny, uh, right out of high school, I, for the first six months out of high school, I didn't work. I did not go to college. I got a job understudying Amy Ryan in the Sisters Rosensweig on Broadway. And then I got an episode of, I think I got an episode of Law and Order. Then I got that then i got i did a pilot that then went to series called american gothic and i did a, t, a, a tv movie with kathleen turner called friends at last mm-hmm. about divorced parents i'm
1: <laughs> <later laughs> not and gonna last. ask you where that ranks yeah, to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I won't say but um you know i had a little bit of a moment right out of school where i had a lot of friends who weren't working at all professionally and i was but then there was this sort of crushing blow that I think happens for a lot of people uh, where you just sort of, the thing I sort of thought as a young person, a young person's awareness of like what possibility was and what I thought this would mean. The fact that I was working that way right out of school, I thought, well, you know, it's obviously going to keep going. And there was a very rude awakening where I didn't work for almost two years. And that was really scary. And I'd moved to California and I, you know, had a roommate in Burbank and it was, it was not a great time. So there's, there's definitely, um, I was definitely wishing and hoping and dreaming of more, not fully knowing what I might be capable of. I had no idea what I could do or couldn't do. I just hoped for something more, but you know it just wasn't it wasn't happening
1: it really wasn't I, I, I was excited to talk to you for for another reason in that I realized that you like me um, actually survived an upbringing in New York City. I feel like i don 't know about you, but like when I would tell people like I grew up in the city, they'd be like uh, they, they did 't even compute it 's like how does that work you 're a unicorn how and also how are you not like a you know psychotic murderer and you're uh, like well. Well, I, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I just hide the bodies really a, well. <laughs> just,
0: I've been getting away with something for a very long time.
1: <laughs> did you? Did you enjoy? Like, where did you grow up in the city? Where were you, and did it feel I like? Was a, all
0: over. We were. Yeah. We moved around a lot. We were Gramercy Park for a while. We were on West 11th Street for a while. Before West. Before West 11th Street was the. You know. Coolest place in town to live. My mother tells stories about uh, Bank Street Park, remembering when the trees were very, very small. were not as tall as they are now. And it's really wild to, to think about. There was no, there was no Magnolia Bakery. There was none of that. It was, it was right. not, it was not the place it is now. Um, but then we moved to Park Slope, into uh, different parts of, Bro- of Brooklyn. I lived in Cobble Hill, Park Slope. Uh, in Park Slope alone, we lived in. Berkeley Place, First Street, Carroll Street, and Tenth Street—all within the span of a couple of years. So um, I moved around a lot, and but New York—I always feel sort of funny because I was born in Tampa, Florida. Owning New York as my, you know, saying I'm a child of of the city, but the truth of the matter is, I was there since I was five years old. So it sort of feels like it counts, but it does I have to be. I have to disclose that it's
1: not—it's <laughs> not where I was born. You know the snooty New Yorkers. Uh, yeah, some of some yeah, of us will just, like, but I, I don't. You're not really
0: from New York. You're not. You're not. You were were
1: there for the important years. I was
0: there for the important years. That's exactly right. Formative years.
1: Yep. And in terms of was your mom the greatest influence in terms of helping define what was important in film and theater and TV, like what, who shaped, who helped shape your taste as a kid? Um,
0: You know, uh, that's an interesting question. My mother is certainly incredibly artistic. She's a writer, Um, uh, an incredibly smart woman who moved to New York when you know, my, she was 27 years old, not knowing really anyone there. It's kind of amazing when I think about it, how brave it was with the two young daughters. Um, but no, I mean, I, I know my mother was really interested in movies and theater and she took me all the time, but it it, it was, I don't know, I feel like I sort of went from being a growing pains, facts of life, silver spoons, <laughs> obs- punky Brewster obsessive, to thinking that, you know, Deer Hunter was a very special movie and and watching the movie Francis and seeing Jessica Lang for the first time and and it, you know, showing on a Sunday afternoon at four o'clock and I, I fell on the movie in, in a in a, you know, towards the middle or to the end of it. And I went right out to the to the old video store back when you could do such things and, and rented the full movie and started it from the beginning and started to get really interested in in all these actresses I was just so fascinated by it and and so on some level I'd like to give my mother credit but I kind of feel weirdly like it was my own discovery there were things that just happened to speak to me you yeah know? although the one thing I will say is that I had a lot of kids who were listening to a lot of Madonna and stuff and it wasn't that I wasn't but I was taking my mother's Joni Mitchell albums the Pretenders albums John Armitrading albums you know uh, Ricky Lee Jones albums, and I was playing those on her turntable when other people were, you know, bopping around to Cindy Lauper, which I was doing too, but I also was really interested in this other music and stuff. But,
1: but I, I do hear you in kind of, I think you can have both, right? You can have the important influences in your life that help kind of like steer you towards some important parts of pop culture but like there's nothing like kind of finding your own rabbit holes and finding those actors and directors and sort suddenly like being like wait I just saw The Godfather it just blew my brain apart I need to see everything this guy ever directed and same for you for Jessica Lange clearly.
0: Jessica Lange and I had that with Mike Nichols as a young younger than I think I would be like when I think about it now I think that's really interesting that you sort of were aware that Mike Nichols had a real point of view and was a real, uh, you know, that something about his work continually spoke to you. How interesting is that, and why? You know, I mean, I don't, I don't really know the answer. I mean, so wait, you've got. Undeniably, he's he was incredibly special as was you know, coppola is coppola and
1: all that you've given me the perfect segue so the, i asked for a comfort movie and uh you chose a great one i hadn't seen it in a long while but it gave me a good excuse to go back to it um yes from the great writer carrie fisher from the great director mike nichols from the god among humans meryl streep oh. uh you have chosen postcards from the edge talk me through how why when you encountered it just give me some extemporaneous thoughts on this one
0: it's just one of those movies, I, I mean, my mother is not in show business, but it did remind me slightly of our dynamic. Uh, you can read into that. If <laughs> you know. um, but but I was just really taken instantly by the writing. I mean, Carrie Fisher, I had a an experience of um, running into Carrie Fisher at a store in Los Angeles um, You know and literally fawning all over her and then we we did become friends and it was always a sort of wild thing to me that i didn't i have all these emails from her that are that are very very special to me obviously they were then but they certainly have a a greater resonance for me now that she's no longer uh walking around the planet but i was struck by the the writing i i remember being so struck by the the writing it was so sort of searing and also wildly funny and so true and just I don't know. I don't know. I just loved it so much. It's it's a movie poster I have in my house. Uh, I remember, you know, leaving the school building at LaGuardia High School and the movie poster was on the bus stop between us and the Juilliard school. And I remember walking by it uh, to the train station. And, you know, it, I just remember so vividly the earrings that Meryl was wearing on the cover of the poster and the the sunglasses that they both had on and the reflection of Hollywood. I mean, I just remember it so, so vividly. And I don't know, there was just something about it. Just to me, it comes on and you don't want to watch it with me though. I'll tell you this right now. When you watch it with me, I don't shut up. I'm saying the movie with, I'm just the entire movie. I'm saying. The Rocky
1: Horror
0: uh, experience. Yeah, yeah, just the Rocky Horror experience. And it's just (laughs) really, people are like, this is not enjoyable for me because you're, and I was like, I just can't help it.
1: Maybe you should do the one woman postcards from the edge. Maybe this is what, when theater comes back, this is what we relaunch theater with. Don't tempt me. (laughs) Don't make promises I can't keep. (laughs)
0: Don't get me excited, Josh, because this this is a good idea. This is a very good idea. I really, I just think the writing is so extraordinary and I just love it.
1: So for, th- for those that don't know, it's some, some basics, if, if you haven't caught on, Carrie Fisher wrote this. It's a uh, thinly veiled um, autobiographical work that was based on her uh, great novel. Um, Meryl Streep plays Suzanne Vale, the great Shirley MacLaine plays her mother. Uh, it's oh. got a great cast, Dennis Quaid, Gene Hackman is the Gene director. Hackman.
0: oh my God. I mean,
1: he's my favorite ever.
0: Oh always. my God, a there man. isn't enough mommy in the world to further a cause like yours. <laughs> oh, lol, I'm sorry. I mean, sorry, I could just, you don't want to let, us we should, should shouldn't. No,
1: no, know. no, it's okay. I want to, if it makes you feel better, do the whole movie. No,
0: I just think about Jean Hackman when she comes in and says, can I get a Coke, Coca-Cola? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> can I get um. a- <laughs> Does it depict, obviously, when you saw it when you probably were 15, by my math, when it came out, but in the years since where you've accumulated experience, it is kind of an interesting document, yes, about a, a woman struggling with addiction and, and a relationship with her mom, but it's also kind of a great set life behind the scenes. Uh,
0: I mean, I'm sure that my my when I watch it now, I am sort of soothed by this the familiarity that I have with what I'm watching in terms of, you know, her holding on, gripping the ledge and the green screen is behind her and she <laughs> lets go and, of course, doesn't fall down. And um, Simon, but this is not relaxed. This is incredibly upset. If this is the quality you're looking for, it's
1: just... Has a, so a producer, a la Oliver Platt, ever come up to you and said, you know, you just need to have more fun. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's not as if you just farted all over your dialogue and we sat there during rushes wondering what was that noise all over her lines. I'm so relieved that analogy has just bathed me. <laughs> I mean, it's so good. Just this whole idea, you know, the lonely. It really, I, I think at the end of the day, too, like what I what I take away from it now is that sort of the absolute um, isolation. In a funny way, of working on something, no matter how many people are around, there is there are so many people their opinions and their thoughts and their expectations and everybody's sort of jockeying for their position on the set. And I don't mean in terms of power, but in terms of being taken seriously and having a voice and all of these dynamics that are at play. It's like high school on steroids or something. It's really something. And so you do think about this, this actress, I'm sure I can relate to, you know, feeling totally with everyone and yet by yourself uh, in a way, you know.
1: Did you ever get to cross paths with the great Mike Nichols?
0: I surely did. It, was, it is really one of, the, um, one of the really special things. When I was doing Studio 60, I remember Aaron Sorkin coming up to me and saying, I got an email from Mike Nichols last night. He really loves the show and he thinks you're great. And I was like, Ex- excuse me?
1: <laughs> Say it again, but slower. Slower,
0: yeah. slower, down. He said, Mike Nichols thinks I, meaning me, am great. What? And then um, years later, Nora Ephron and Mike Nichols were doing a reading of her play, Lucky Guy, I think it was, yes. And it was at the time, it was Hugh Jackman and me were reading it, uh, along with just a constellation of some of the greatest theater actors in New York. And it was Mike Nichols was directing it and Nora was obviously had written it. And we sat in a room, Diane Sawyer was there and Scott Rudin was there. And it was like one of the most nerve wracking experiences of my life, really actually. I was like, this is not, I'm not cut out for this folks. Nope, 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 nope. And I'll just never forget him coming up to the, to talk to me and him just saying, You're so good you're just so good i hope you know that and it was before i did a reading and i'm sure after i did the reading he was like whoops but uh it was he wrote me a card he sent me like five bars of chocolate i have this card it's the most one of my treasured possessions it's yes so i did have i've had a couple of those experiences in my working life that have really been a bit mind-blowing to me
1: Uh, amazing that you have that experience yeah he's one of those directors that comes up over and over again on the podcast for, oh really yeah, yeah. just uh, the people that have been lucky enough to know him and work with him he just was like you know the cliche he was an actor's director clearly yes,
0: um, sure. i have to tell you there are so few of
1: them well i was gonna say he he and Merrill had a fantastic working relationship obviously even even just looking at the breadth of their different kinds of work they did mm-hmm. you know, what they did this they did heartburn angels in america i mean it can't heartburn's get more
0: another one. heartburn's another one for
1: me Nice. So so talk to me a little bit about here's what I'm curious about. Like do you have a Mike Nichols like collaborator in your life? Someone that it feels like you has been watching out for you and vice versa and you have a simpatico with. Who would that be if there's somebody?
0: There's no question that Ryan Murphy. Um, you know I, I mean I've said this a million times so it's it's certainly not um, new information but you know I have him to thank for the the entire shift in my in my career in the sense that not only has he given me the roles that have been the most challenging and also the most sort of recognized outside of the experience of doing them, but uh, he continues to come back to me again and again and again, which, you know, only engenders a kind of confidence in yourself because he continues to say, here's this very precious, scary thing and I want you to hold it and you take it and you do something with it. And you're going, I'm scared. (laughs) <laughs> and he believes that you can do it and that that kind of you know like any really good parent which any actor will tell you who has a real working relationship with any director that's that's has any you know real semblance of intimacy there is absolutely a parent child dynamic and it can shift back and forth but there is that that trust where you're you take the the training wheels off the bike and you keep looking back and somebody's going you can do it you can do it and it's a very it's it's sometimes you're taking really big swings and you you want to feel that you've got the support of someone who sees you yeah. and knows you uh, well enough to know where you're pulling back and how to push you more. And I definitely have that with Ryan.
1: Well, and all the facets of you, again, like we were just talking about Mike Nichols, these different kind of parts that he gave Meryl. I mean, look at the work you've done with Ryan. Yeah. I mean, you're playing Linda Tripp now, Far Cry from Ratchet it's and you're, yeah, I mean the
0: hardest thing I've ever done. And we've just begun. And it's really just so far the hardest thing I've ever done.
1: Really. wow um we'll get to that i want to i want to hear about I that have, a, little, a little bit later but i do here's another thing i want to mention it's sounds this sounds crazy but i i actually kind of believe this i feel like meryl streep is somehow underrated as a comic actor and i feel like this film if you look at three of three of really the great 90s comedies came in quick succession um this defending your life and death becomes her I mean, three of my favorite movies. I'm obsessed. You can quote this (laughs) one. I can quote the other two, probably.
0: And Defending Your Life is one of the great, I mean, to me, one of the great movies ever
1: made. Absolutely.
0: I mean, bar none to me. Yeah. And Broadcast (laughs) News as well. I also go crazy for Broadcast News.
1: Broadcast News is a perfect movie. like (laughs) Unobjectionably. Um, (laughs) And and also this one, I feel like people didn't know Meryl could sing until this movie. Now we know, but like... Back then, she belts it out. It's amazing. pull
0: back them dark and dusty drapes, let <laughs> in some light. Big boy comes. Sorry, I could really just don't don't make it stop. I was
1: up. I was gonna ask you for your favorite wine from the film, but you've already quoted a few. Do you have like a like a single solitary line you've quoted the most?
0: Um. <laughs> I'm not the performer. You're the performer. I couldn't possibly compete with you. What if someone actually won? You've got a much better voice than that Madonna girl. She doesn't have half your voice. I'm not the performer. Oh God, It's just too good. Um, I love that, that line that Gene Hackman says to Merrill when he says, you know, look at what you can do. You know, she says, Oh, it's just, I'm sorry. It's just this thing with my mother. And he says, I don't know your mother, but I know you. And I know that you'd make a mother out of anyone. And we can go back and back and forth. And eventually you have to say, fuck it, I start with me. And he turns her towards the screen and he says, look at, look what you can do. And you weren't even half conscious. Imagine what you, you know. Anyway, I could go on.
1: I, I, I like when I was watching the other day, I wrote down, we're designed more for public than for private.
0: private yeah. Ed speaks. <laughs>
1: So you chose your a
0: man in drunken brawl with tree.
1: <laughs> you <laughs> chose. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Sorry. I need to control Sarah. <laughs> just going I told you it's not fun. <laughs> no, I like, I'm enjoying it, but I just okay. want to get, get to okay. a lot of different sure, things. Sure, sure.
0: Fine, fine, fine.
1: You chose, I don't know if this was just, you know, on brand for promoting run, but you chose a mother daughter story and look at, look at what, what we're promoting here. A mother daughter story. Very similar.
0: Yes. What's your point, Josh? <laughs>
1: just making the connections God, in case... What is your point? Wow. Yes,
0: I... <laughs> yes, it's true. I mean, there's just no question that there's um, a correlative thread there.
1: The, I was a big fan of Searching. This is Me too. Me great, too. Great, great. I think it was his debut film, right? Anish was, is, yeah. So Anish is the director of this. I don't want to butcher his name, but Anish Shiganti. Did I have that close? Yes. Um, writer, director of Searching, which you, if you guys haven't checked out, you really should. This is... This is like a really smart, clever, fun kind of piece of genre filmmaking. Um, it's not a lot of characters, it's you and a young performer who has not really done much of anything on screen yet.
0: It's 90 minutes, it goes by like a bullet train. And uh, I think it's a real, a real ride. And, and, the, and the great thing, of Anish, there are many, many things to recommend to him as a, as a filmmaker and as a human being, of course, but I was really impressed with this commitment he had from the jump that that they not cast the sort of flavor of the month, uh, not just to, to be disparaging against any actress who was ever the flavor of the month. I mean, what a blessed thing to be ever. I don't think I was ever the flavor of the month, <laughs> ever. But I think, you know, he, he was really important to him that, that there be proper representation and authenticity. Uh, as part of the story, and I think the studio was pushing back and wanted a particular girl or two that had been, you know, newly minted and anointed, and um, could guarantee that, you know, some butts would be in some seats. And he just really held firm. and And Kira, this is her first movie, and I'm sure it will not be her last. And I think she more than holds her own. I think the movie belongs to her, and I think that's that's just a really special, exciting thing to feel. You were there when a person, you know blossomed into becoming you know the performer that they're on the road to being it's really really special
1: do you feel any kind of responsibility on set when this is her first kind of experience like this like obviously she's got the goods or she wouldn't have been cast but you know there's a lot to learn is it just through experience of what it's like to carry a film and be on a set did you kind of have to like or feel like it was incumbent on you to kind of help out in some ways
0: i felt What I felt was important was that she know how much I believed in her so that she didn't worry that I wasn't, you know, on board. I made sure to just remind her to, that she had every right to say that she would like another take, that she had every right to take the time she needed before a particularly emotional scene. You know, we, especially when you're younger, you think the minute they call action, you're supposed to just be able to, as if you're a robot, turn that on. And I, I said to her, if you need a second before you start, that is your right and it is something you have to protect in yourself. So I would do things like that, but yeah. you know, she's a really self-possessed uh, young woman. And I thought, you know, uh, who's studying at an Ivy League? You know, and I'm just like, I'm an actress. I hear some advice for you. Meanwhile, she's like, you know, missing neuroscience class to make the movie. And so I just sort of felt like I I had no business offering her any advice other than to try to remember, to remind her to breathe, um, because it it was a it was a very big you know at the time before the movie was going to be on Hulu. This was a Lionsgate movie to be released in theaters, and she's the lead of this movie. And it it it, I don't think I would have at that age been able to to manage it. I don't have that kind of um, I'm not built from that kind of material. I'm much more of a nervous Nelly. And she was like, okay, let's do this. And it was really impressive. I found her to be a really impressive person and a wonderful actress.
1: Without ruining where the film goes and the twists and turns for for your character, etc. Um, it's suffice to say, you've played both the chasey and the chaser in <laughs> various genre projects, which is more pleasure, pleasurable for you, Sarah.
0: I think um In the horror or thriller genre, I think there is certainly a lot of meat on the bone in terms of opportunity for emotional crescendos and things that can be really, really fun, particularly earlier in your career when, for me, I was really waiting for an opportunity to have something to sink my teeth into. Now, I think my tank might be running a little bit on on the old running and screaming and weeping uh, tank. I think it's a little low, so sometimes... For right now, I feel like having the role of the pursuer and the chaser rather than the chasee feels a little bit more suited to my physical and mental capabilities, emotional capabilities for the moment. <laughs> I think I've run that well. I've wrung it out, and I need to refuel.
1: Fair enough. <laughs> you, you—I mean—you allude to this. You have done a surprising amount of genre stuff, um, yep. and I guess it's, it's the classic tale of like, you succeed in something, you get five more offers like that, and just so happens you've gotten a lot of good offers in that realm. Thank um, you, Josh. Um, and you've made the most of it. That, you, but, but Sarah, yes, Marvel Sarah? and DC world have eluded you. They have. What the fuck is going on? Oh
0: shit, Marvel <laughs> and DC have not called me. Um, I don't know the answer, that's a good question. I mean, I got I, you know, the closest I got to that was being in, in uh, Night Shyamalan's uh, Glass, which was obviously uh, sort of a superhero movie before it. superhero movies were superhero movies. Really. <laughs> right. Um, but I would love to do something like that. It would be obviously really fun, but no one's calling and I'm not going to, I'm not going to lament that too much. I'm going no, you're, to
1: No, you're doing fine, but I'm, I'm
0: okay, just, but I just, I do think they should call.
1: <laughs> I mean, it would be nice to get the call. It phone
0: would be call. nice if I got the call.
1: It'd be nice to have the privilege to say no.
0: It would be nice to be like, I'm not doing your stupid piece of shit comic book movie, Marvel. No, I would never say that. I'd be so desperate. I mean, that's oh. my way of seeming like I don't care when really I'm like, please call me.
1: You're just taking a different tack now. You're I'm like, the, uh, the other one hasn't worked. So now.
0: Like, please. it doesn't work. So I'll just pretend I don't care.
1: You are though producing more. Is that part of the, the game plan to both create unique different kinds of work for yourself and others what's the what's the reasoning behind getting into the producing Interesting,
0: game because i don't that that concept what you just said is i think arguably why most people do it that has never occurred to me <laughs> i'm not thinking about it like that at all we need to we
1: need to call a team paulson meeting I know, right now
0: I, I think i think the truth is um i have been you know i've had this ever since people versus oj i have not stopped working in a way that has been so extraordinarily shocking to me and thrilling and also not left a lot of room for what do I want to do and what do I want to develop and what do I want to put my stamp on and what does my stamp even mean and um, the producing uh, components have come out of my relationship with Ryan and his feeling that it was time for me to have some ownership of the things we were creating together Um, and they're his ideas and they're his Um, they come out of his mind or, uh, and he thinks of me for them and wants me to have a real seat at the table. Um, and that is to his credit that he has continued to want that for me. Um, I got my first directing opportunity with him as well. Um, and I would like to do more of it. It's just, there are only 30 days in the month and 12 months out of the year. And there's a moment where it's like, I would have to be willing to sort of step back and just say, I'm not going to do anything for a minute. I want to really get quiet with myself and think about what it is I want to do. Um, and I just haven't had, to, I, I haven't had time to, to do that yet, and I've, I mean, one would argue I could make the time. I haven't chosen to do that either.
1: You've devoted your time instead to memorizing all of postcards from the Edge. So. Correct,
0: correct.
1: <laughs> the important things. Correct. You are producing. Are you producing this new American Crime Story? or Are you producing? I am on this indeed. One? Yes, I am. So you alluded to this being what was the, the description? You said this is the hardest thing you've done, or
0: I've ever done from an acting
1: standpoint. Yeah. Okay. So we so for those that don't know, you are playing Linda Tripp. Uh, mm-hmm. This I love this cast. I mean, B.D. Feldstein, amazing, amazing. Playing, playing Monica Lewinsky. You got Billy Eichner yeah. in there as a Matt Drudge, yeah. I think. Um, wait, is Betty Gilpin playing Ann Coulter? Do I have that right? Uh, Maybe, kind of. Okay, we can skip that.
0: Yeah. Um, and Annalie Ashford is playing Paula Jones. Taryn Kilm's playing her husband. Yeah, it's just, it's, you know, Clive Owens playing President Clinton. Right.
1: So, what's, um, so so give me a sense of why it's so challenging. You've played real people before.
0: I've played real people before, but I've always played real people with whom I have some alignment in terms of my moral center. Uh, Linda does things that I have to f- sort of go a more circuitous route, travel a more circuitous route to figure out how to understand the behavior because there are you know and that's my job as an actor is not to judge her my job is to try to figure out the why and if i'm going t- to play her i have to figure out you know all of the facets of her personality and what she cares about and what she's fighting against and what where she feels her moral line lives and dies and it's very different from mine and so trying to you know i don't look much like her i did look like Marsha clark Moore. so there's a there's that thing of trying to figure out how to straddle doing what we can to change the shape of me facially, uh, which I think we've done successfully without going so far as to feel like there's somebody just in a sea of plastic. It's like, if you're going to cast me doing it, you've got to have some of me present. Otherwise, what's the point? Get right. someone who looks more like her, I guess. Um, so it's just been an interesting thing to try to figure out how to regulate for myself. And, and also she had a lot of, um, physical uh, traits and things she did physically that that were very particular, like the way she used her hands or the way she raised her eyebrows and the way she looked to the side and the way she used her mouth. And so as an actor, you sort of go, she blinks, a lot and it's like do all that blinking I don't think I can do all that blinking or I think it's going to be really really irritating to the audience so you go let's not do that but how much of this will I do so calibrating all that is really hard and when it's not cut together you don't know if it's going to be like me over here like ticky Bond, tickerstein and then you've got everybody else sort of doing things really really on this on the level and then you go is that going to make me look like I'm doing something too much and so it's how do we find a way to let the truth of it live because she wasn't as, you know, still as, as most people.
1: Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, I was hearing like Brendan Gleeson talk about that when playing Trump recently in the Comey rule. And like, they almost had to like tone it back because the truth is some people, a lot of us, are big and and like and the expressions and the tics are big. And sometimes it can read as like, wait, what are you doing? You're playing a exactly. caricature when you're actually playing the person. That's what the exactly. person is.
0: So that's the thing. And we've only been shooting for a couple of days but I've been watching the dailies and it's sort of like the things I respond to most are when there's like a hybrid of really yeah. doing the things that she did and then also some stillness because I, I think you have to have a moment where the audience can go, okay, yeah, 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 we get it. Um, and you don't want to just seem like an actor who's so excited to be playing somebody so, so different from yourself that you, you know, got really, really high on the idea of doing all of the things that she does. And it's just like, right. I think the great Stella Adler, who's a wonderful acting teacher said, nobody wants your hundred percent. Like you don't, nobody actually wants that. Uh, you know, you don't, there's a, there's a moment where it's actually then becomes something you can't get inside of as an audience. Cause you're yeah. just sitting there going, Oh, look at that actress doing all those things you know and then you're not really part what you know you're not involved in the story so i haven't quite figured i just don't know if i'm you've caught me at a moment we're seeing a work in progress (laughs) i've just done it so it's like i'm only three or four days in and it's like i don't quite know exactly what the perfect thread is and maybe it won't be perfect and it will be found in the editing room of picking pieces and and i don't i don't know I, really sp- I speak it for the like audience. We believe
1: in your magic. We believe in you. <laughs>
0: it feels like a big swing for me. It's, it feels like the biggest, like I'm up at bat and I, I feel a little bit that feeling of post horror story. I mean, post uh, crime story, OJ. And right. I feel like there's an expectation or something that, and it makes me feel nervous.
1: I, I wish I had the, uh, the postcard script on, on, on lockdown in my brain. Cause I would quote the Gene Hackman lines when he was talking to Meryl, as you were saying, yeah. to look at your son. I want you to have the confidence, Sarah, it's going to be okay.
0: I appreciate it, Gene.
1: <laughs> Gene, Josh, all my good.
0: Favorite actor. I just wish he was still. I mean, I, he's my favorite. I
1: know. How character. could he go out with Welcome to Mooseport as his last movie, How Sarah? That be? It's How cruel, and be? and he seems healthy and okay. He's writing his like military books in like Sam. Come back, Gene to to
0: Hackman. I just want Gene Hackman, I'm and I want him. to be involved in it somehow. I'd give anything.
1: He uh, he's the most like naturalistic actor. It's not a false move in any I Gene agree. Hackman role.
0: I think he's so incredible.
1: What's your favorite? performance of his
0: pretty into the conversation really
1: you know can't go wrong with that
0: but one. i love him in the firm i mean i'll take him any way i can get him i think he's a real i love him in birdcage yeah i mean i i, I the french connection all of it i i love all of it you know i just think he's i'll take him in heartbreakers or whatever that movie <laughs> is. i'll take him in jennifer
1: love hewitt yeah
0: yeah i'll take him in <laughs> anything that's how much that's how deep my love runs <laughs>
1: We, we, we have a mutual acquaintance. You're, you're buddies with um, Zach Quinto. Do you go yeah. way back with Zach? Yeah.
0: We go back to him suckling my teat. Um, on Is this American- a metaphor? No.
1: <laughs> oh, I missed that episode. Sorry.
0: It was a me- an episode of American Horror Story <laughs> where, you know, here we are good friends and, you know, we had to do these really, really dark things in season two of American Horror Story where he did have to, you know, I had a lovely um cover on the on the boob but he had to he had to do some things we had to do some things it was really
1: nothing brings people together nothing like
0: brings together like an old uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just so upsetting it was really we shared a trailer we had either side of the this uh, double banger trailer and we would just like put each other's like um he had to wear a a, a sock it's called mm. and i would he would tape it to my trailer and i would tape my little my, little, my personal covering, we just put it, it was just, you know, we were young. It was the halcyon days, the halcyon days of American Horror Story. I was going to say,
1: this wasn't that long ago.
0: No, well, it was 2011, 2012. Oh, wow,
1: well, time flies. I like him because he presents as normal and very and, and calm, but clearly, as evidenced by what we were just saying, yeah, he's a whack he's, job like the rest of us.
0: He's a real, uh, he's a really, really good friend of mine. And um, uh, I, I find him to be uh, a very soothing, wonderful person who is... Yeah, he's the greatest,
1: he's a You've been in a couple of films with the spirit animal for me in this podcast, Michael Shannon. Oh yeah. What's your Michael Shannon experience? My Michael Shannon
0: experience was, man, mm, I did a play called Killer Joe uh, that Tracy Letts wrote and I did it with Scott Glenn and Amanda Plummer and uh, Michael Shannon uh, in New York City at the Soho F- rep, I guess it was called at the time. I was at a different location than it is now, I think, if it's still in existence. and. Um, yeah, he was a, he was a real, um, how would I describe
1: <laughs> He's indescribable. That's why he's a, that's why we love him. And
0: then we did mud together as well. Right. We? Um, I think he's a, he's from another planet. And I mean that in the most um, yeah complimentary way. I don't mean that he's uh, freakish. Um, I, I feel him to be, he, he's a very, very, very deep person. He's just a a very deep well. Um, Talk about still waters. Um, But he's also wildly funny. And just um, every time I'm around him, because we played brother and sister and we were both so young and it was, the beginning of our career was really for both of us. I remember after Killer Joe opened, we both got calls from Steven Spielberg's casting director, Leslie Feldman, who uh, he apparently had come to see the play and he, he had her call us both and we both had to go in and meet her for a general meeting. And that was like, I remember that was kind of the coolest thing in the world. And I happen to think he's a, he's just, there isn't anyone better than Michael Shannon. He's an extraordinary
1: actor. I'm with you um sarah we did it i tracked you down in the middle of the most arduous production of your career <laughs> none, no less yeah.
0: <laughs> this is how you know how much i wanted to talk to you john
1: i appreciate that uh you lived up to my high expectations congratulations on run everybody should check it out um no truly i'm, I'm impressed always by your work but, but kira this young performer is excellent as well
0: she's so amazing i think she, i think this is a really exciting thing. For and, and
1: I will say, honestly, the, dir- the director, Anish, is, is definitely one to watch these these first two films show a great uh, facility behind the camera and just sort of creating entertaining pieces of genre work. So um, thank you, Sarah. Say sane. You're going to kill it. As Linda Tripp. I, have I appreciate the utmost confidence.
0: Your, your G- You'll always be my Gene Hackman. Oh,
1: my God. There's no higher compliment. No,
0: there isn't. But I, <laughs> I remember this moment when you tried to impress upon me the importance of believing in myself I
1: there you go
0: you. i didn't have my shrink session this week so i appreciate you
1: <laughs> that'll be 180 dollars. what's the you going have, rate
0: the checks and go.
1: <laughs> um thanks again sarah appreciate, Thank it. You. I appreciate it and so ends another edition of happy sad confused remember to review rate and subscribe to this show on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts i'm a big podcast person i'm daisy ridley and i definitely wasn't pressured to do this by josh <laughs>